GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to a very special edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we, as always, are bringing the convention experience directly to you. Because today, we are going back to the Forbidden Zone and beyond with several amazingly talented guests from the classic Planet of the Apes franchise series. So without further ado, let's go to the future by way of the past with our first very special guest. He is a member of the Ape National Assembly, a minister of science, a chief defender of the Simeon faith. He is also the host of his YouTube series, Hanging with Dr. Z. Today, he joins us on GalaxyCon Live as our first celebrity guest host. Please welcome Dr. Z. Hello, Pat. How are you, my love? So good to see you. Good to see you, doctor. How are you holding up? I'm doing great. You know, I started the day off early. I was at a Marjong tournament at Bob Wagner's house, and I just shot over here. I'm polishing off one of these. But uh, we're going to get through this, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Uh, I'd like to thank all the kids who tuned in to the show. and that are, it, It's like a convention without the smell of people enjoying themselves, which is, what you, which is the only thing it's missed. Otherwise, it's all the, all the modern advantages of the convention experience. Uh, indeed. Well, as always, we at GalaxyCon Live are looking forward to the day when we can go back to the convention experience and we can hopefully host you on our physical stages and get you in front of your fans because your YouTube series is going strong and you have quite a following. Oh, uh, thank we're very, you know, we're very excited and we feel that if people, you know, look, I've, uh, in the late 60s, in addition to being in Planet of the Apes, I've had a bigger career than people realize. In the late 60s, I toured with the Jefferson Airplane. And if there's one thing I learned about touring with the Jefferson Airplane, it's that you should get tested for diseases and get vaccinated accordingly. And uh, I suggest that everyone, as soon as you can uh, take advantage of the vaccines, we can put this behind us and get back to business as usual. Absolutely. Sounds very much, sir. Again, Dr. Z, absolutely delight to have you here today. Uh, I regret. Hang on. Oh. <laughs> uh, my only regret is that uh, is, is writer, comedian, and actor Dana Gould couldn't join us because I wanted to sing his praises for his adaption of Rod Sterling's original Planet of the Apes in a graphic novel format. I thought that was a wonderful job. So wherever he is, I uh, raise my drink to him. He bugs me. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, Dr. C, the floor is absolutely yours. I am your assistant for today. Well, so shall, we, shall, we, shall we introduce our panel? That would be wonderful. At your leisure. Uh, well, let me tell, let me get these. Uh, oh, sorry. I had to put on my cheaters. <laughs> Men of a certain age. Well, our first guest needs no introduction. She is one of the original stars of the original Planet of the Apes, truly. Uh, she was also in Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Airport 1975, Cocoon, a tremendous actress and, and, a, and a fan favorite. Planet of the Apes would not be what it is without this uh, young lady. Please welcome Nova herself. Ms. Linda Harrison is with us today. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. Thank you and so much. I was very fortunate. I was dating the head of the studio, and he said if the movie gets made because of the all the things that they had to use and we didn't know if, if it would come off very well. He said, if we make the movie, you'll play Nova. So it just came so easily. Well, that's, that's terrific. I have to ask you, what's cooking in the stove behind you? It's oh, what's cooking? <laughs> uh, can you see that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> not not much cooking goes on that stove. It's my I don't want to brag, but I make an apple brown Betty that would knock your socks off. But we'll talk oh, about no. that after the show. Fair. 
Shall we Shall we continue with the introductions of our panel and spend some time with Linda? How do you want to do it? Do you want to bring everybody in? Uh, it's, it is, it's up to your leisure, sir. I just want to say, Linda, on behalf of myself, again, I echo Dr. Z, a huge fan. We would not be here today. And in a perfect world, you would have continued to play Wonder Woman. But that's, uh, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> I had such a crush on little Linda when we did the film, but of course, as she said, she was the she was with the head of the studio at the time, and I never acted on it because I wanted to come to work the next day. Uh, let's uh, let's let's bring the rest of our panel, and then we'll let the uh, we'll let the audience uh, choose. But Linda, so so lovely to see you again. What a what a delight! Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, our next guest is also one of the original stars of the uh, original film. Uh, also, uh, like Linda, appeared in Beneath as well. I believe he also appeared in Conquest, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I wasn't in Conquest, but I'm not bitter. I don't, you know, I was, uh, it was 1972 when I was doing a lot of work on the Sonny and Cher show that year, so I couldn't oh. make it down to Century City. But, uh Please, uh, please welcome your friend and mine. Amer also, he was on Chips. Please welcome uh, America's Next Door Neighbor, Lou Wagner. Hi. <laughs> How are you, young fella? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you for inviting me. It's so it's so great to see you, Lou. Now, Lou, we, how did you get into the film? You weren't also dating Dick Zanuck. That, I know it was the 60s, but come on. <laughs> No, I really wasn't, but but thank God for Dick Zanuck because uh, this this film wouldn't have been greenlit, you know, without exactly. between Dick between between Dick and Chuck. It was uh, it was a yeah. names. All the studios turned it down, but Dick believed in it. He was uh, he was he was quite a uh, quite a brave man because he was. Uh, he was, but but many people don't know is he was running 20th Century Fox. His father was on the board of directors, and there must have been some sort of Shakespearean clash of wills. That yeah, it, it it was they he his father groomed him for the part. His father, of course, was Daryl Zanuck, the famous yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was very Daryl, proud of it. And indeed, and he was, and Daryl Zanuck was, of course, your father-in-law at one point. Right. And good. Well. I hope that's good for you. I can't say I don't know enough. Oh, about he was—he was great. Uh, a rather quiet man, but they had a, a, a interesting relationship, uh, Richard and his father. And it was nice to watch him. He would introduce him proudly to other people. This is my son, and I, they were always touching moments. Oh, that's that's wonderful. There's a there was a question I want to ask about this, but I want to move on and bring everybody else in. But I do want to ask Lou a quick question first, if I may. Now, Lou, did you just get a reading? You're an actor. I saw you on Dragnet the other night. I I I dropped my Manhattan. I was I had a long day. I don't. I hit the hot tub. You I'm, saw me on I'm in a Terry Cloth robe. Oh, I'm in a Terry Cloth robe. I kick on the TV. I see Dragnets on. I was very good friends with Jack Webb. We wrote a book together about Jack's early days in radio called, oh, Profiles, called Profiles in Bourbon. You can get it. What name was this film? This was Dragon. It was Lou oh, on the Dragnet TV. I don't remember. Sometimes I, I they give me credits I've never been in, you know. Oh, indeed. Indeed. Do you remember that, Lewis? I did six of them. Six he, Planet of the Apes. No, he did. Uh, Lou did six episodes of Dragnet. Yeah. Oh, 
including a seminal episode, the the big goodbye, where you and a bunch of other beatnik uh, hippie kids wanted to break away from the United States, and Harry Morgan and Jack Webb give that speech that's been shared a lot on YouTube about it's like sure things are hard are hard now, you know, and it's pure Jack Webb. <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. Just you can you can Great. smell the you can smell the barley fermenting. Um, you know how you got that style, the dragnet style. Sure. Um, and that episode uh, proved it perfectly. What we did, it was really interesting. We were not allowed to memorize. We had to read off of a off of a teleprompter. Oh. And there were two teleprompters, one for Jack and one for his partner. And so we'd be looking back and forth and reading. And we had to, when when Jack would ask something, we'd have to go across to that teleprompter and answer on that. And that was the style. Wow. Exactly. That, that, I remember you know? that. Yeah. And I, have, yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't be a bigger fan. Was it very organic is the word for actors? I mean, did it seem to be real acting? Uh, it, it it took time. You know, I mean, we were learning on camera mm -hmm. right at that moment. If that was the first show you ever did, you were a little uh, hesitant, mm -hmm. but you got, you know, you got through it. Jack was very smart. We did that show in one day because of that. Here's a, here's a fun story so about Jack Fun story about Jack Webb, I'll, and I'll talk around it, and then we'll bring on our next guest. If you did the dishes for Jack after lunch, it was only glasses. Um, our next guest is a very uh, talented actor. Uh, not only did he play McDonald in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, he is in one of my favorite movies, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13, a, a cult favorite and a, a huge fan favorite. Please welcome the great Austin Stoker is with us today. Austin. Hey. Oh. Here I am. How are you? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Looking great. So thank you. So thank you so much for joining us. And, and where are you joining us from today? Are you in California or in California? Yes. It's a monkey brother living in California. Is <laughs> <laughs> you know, I whenever people complain about California, I go, hey, you could live in America. You know, take it, take take what you have. Austin, how did uh, now you were a, you were a, a big star? How did was was Precinct Thirteen before battle or after battle? It was after. It was after, after right after. The, and how did, that, battle. how did battle for the planet of the apes come your way? Uh, make it one. Say that again. How did that movie come your way? Because you're uh, you played the brother of Harry Rhodes' character from the previous movie. Is that yeah. uh, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. And it, was this just an agent call up? Did you have to audition, or did you, they just offer you the part? You were you were big doings back then. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I I had to audition, you know, for, for the part. They already knew they were going to hire me, so they, oh, just, they already decided they were going to hire me. But I auditioned, you know, actually, just just to you know, to make it to make it real, so to speak. Exactly. And and most of the shooting was at uh, Malibu Creek State Park. If that's uh, is that correct? Yeah. That is correct. That is At correct. the time, it was the Fox uh, backlot. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's a, here's a question, and this is for this is a question for the Planet of the Apes uh, fans that they'll understand. Mm -hmm. the, the Ape City in Battle for the Planet of the Apes was not the Ape City from Planet of Beneath. It was Treehouses because it took place earlier in the timeline, and they hadn't moved into 
uh, basically bedrock. But the original city was still standing when you were there. Did you ever go over to see the, uh, when you were shooting battle, did you ever walk over and see the original ape city? Because it's right over the hill. That I don't, I don't remember doing that, no. It's, a, it's interesting, if you ever get out there, huh? the chunks of Ape City from where they demolished it, they're all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there was a reason um, they went more the uh, rugged style architect for that Malibu ranch where we shot so much. Mm -hmm. Because the other, the book had, had you know, people fly, air, at airplanes and and uh, yes, it was like they lived in New York. Yeah, but we we crossed and in the Fox. If you can bring in a movie under six million, you can shoot it. You don't need the approval of the board of directors. Ah, and that well, that makes a that makes a lot of that makes a lot mm. of sense because I would imagine a movie that was this inventive, the board of directors would have said no, thank you. Yes. <laughs> they were still coming off of Cleopatra, the financial uh, mm -hmm. issue. There went the big Century City, where Century City is now. That was the back lot. Right, exactly. And they had to sell it off. So they sold it off to real estate to keep mm -hmm. the studio afloat. And that became a mall that they shot Conquest of the Planet of the Apes in. Mm -hmm. full circle. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's let's bring in the rest of our, our panel, and then uh, and, and we'll go this. Uh, we'll turn this out. Battle for the Planet of the Apes, which is the the final film, uh, stars our, our next uh, two uh, performers. One uh, who played uh, young Cornelius, who is the grandfather of who is the grandson of Roddy McDowell's Cornelius, whose son is played whose son was Caesar, also played by Roddy McDowell. Figure that out. Uh, figure that out on paper. I, I don't have time. It's a, it sounds like something you'd hear in the Ozarks. I'm my own grandfather, but uh, be that as it may, please welcome uh, Bobby Porter and also from Battle from the Planet of the Apes, Pat Cardi. Pat, you come on in too. Let's get everybody up here. Let's get the party started. Hi there. Hello, hello, hello. Nastrovia. You're Bobby, cranberry. You, <laughs> it's cranberry juice, kid. <laughs> It's it's grape juice plus Bobby. Let me ask you now. You you told me a story. We were at a we were in a scrimshaw class with Joey Heatherton, and you told me this story that you found out about Battle for the Planet of the Apes on the set of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, but you weren't on the set in the movie. You were going to med school. That's almost perfectly accurate. I was a pre med student at the University of California. The Irvine campus had just been built. It was very modern, and they decided to shoot the fourth segment of apes on our property. And I looked outside my organic chemistry window and saw a bunch of apes running around and said, oh, I got to check this out. <laughs> and uh, oddly enough, the film crew was exactly the same crew I had just worked with the previous summer on an entirely different film. So I was blessed. Well, you, were, you were an actor, and then you decided you wanted to go into pre-med. Well, actually, my career started out doing stunts. And my very first line I ever got paid to say was, if my father were a gorilla, we'd all be learning writing instead of writing. Now, try doing that under three inches of foam. We looped that line probably 60 times before we could get the difference between writing and writing. And that's my first professional line ever. Okay, so 
it's so funny because in, I used to share a I used to share a condo in Venice with Dennis Hopper, and he was an actor and an amateur chemist. True story. But you, so you were on the set of Conquest, and then you sort of wandered out, saw the film crew, and thought, "I want to get in on this." I had lunch with the director, and literally seven or eight months later, I'm in his office, and he said, "Oh, I remember you." And and they had to keep the film under budget, so they hired me. Pat, how did you get in? How did you become? Who were you in battle, and how did you get involved in that? In battle for the Planet of the Apes, uh, my title was Young Chimp. That's what it was. Uh, in the credits, a few months before Battle for the Planet of the Apes came up, Austin and I were in a another picture, Horror High, together. Horror High. We, we both. How would I pronounce that? Horror High. Horror, Horror High, which was also, I think, Don't a lot Horror. of people think it's something else. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was also known as Twisted Brain. Yeah, on TV they they played it as pr Twisted Brain, and Did Austin and I. Did you ever see the Young Chimp Get Out of My Mind? It was a young girl. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> In any case, um, after that wrapped, I heard that they were casting Battle for the Planet of the Apes. I went to the casting uh, agent, who was a friend of mine, and I said, can you get me on the set? I just want to hang out. I think it's fantastic. I'm a big Planet of the Apes fan. And he said, oh, well, fine. We'll put you in a chimpanzee outfit. And he put me on the show for a month. I think I was in two scenes in the whole film. But I had a great time, you know, hanging with Austin. I think I surprised Austin because we were actually yeah. in a scene together. Yes, we were, right? We were working on a scene together. And I said, Austin, how are you? And he looked at me and he said, who are you? And I said, this, this is Pat Cardi. He goes, oh, son of a gun. You can't be Pat Cardi. <laughs> anyway, it was very cool to work with him and Roddy and Paul Williams. Paul Williams and I became friends on the on that film. It was There's a great experience. How many, uh, Roddy McDowell, how many Planet of the Apes films did he do? Roddy did four of the five. He wasn't in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. That's right. He went and directed. He was directing a movie. A movie and he wished that he had. Yeah, it's called Tam Lin, I believe. I don't know what happened to it. it but... I wanted to ask, there's a question I, I want to ask Linda and, and, and Lou this. Tell me a little about Arthur Jacobs, because he was really the beginning of this entire project, an incredibly driven, uh, would, wouldn't take no for an answer sort of producer. Tell me a little about, uh, I call him Artie. Uh, tell me about Arthur Jacobs, Linda. Well, you pretty said, you said it all, but what he had was a tournament of paddle tennis. All these actors and notables would have, you know, one team and the other team. And I remember him playing with O.J. Simpson. And so oh, that was no wrong. <laughs> I think there's a picture of Dick and, and, and O.J. They entertained a lot. He was a showman like nobody else. He would not take no. He kept on and on. And he unfortunately died at a very young age in his 40s. And I, uh, you know, well, back then people would smoke a carton of cigarettes before lunch. It was just everybody. You see the films, the behind the scene footage of everybody on the set, everybody smoking like chimneys. And it's hard enough to breathe in that getup for the non-ape actors, or as yeah. I call they're in ape face, which I don't appreciate. But that's me. It must be uh, incredibly taxing on the on the system. Uh, Lou, did you uh, did you have any dealings with Arthur Jacobs? No, not really. I um, I just kn knew that before he got into producing, he was a very very famous publisher. Right? Yeah, he, so he, had, 
Marilyn Monroe, I believe. Yeah, he had major, major uh, stars and stuff. And uh, everybody turned him down for this show, except for uh, for Chuck. And that was that was the beginning. And like Linda said, he never gave up. He never. Know, he just, everybody in town, and and he just he just kept going and going because he really believed in it. And mm -hmm. it, and you say something that that deserve that deserves to be said is that this the movie wouldn't have been made without Charlton. I call him Chuck. You call him Chuck. Um, One story. That he would want to do uh, Planet of the Apes. Um, you I'm sorry. What? He likes to wear. You know. Hardly any clothes. I know that he likes to show off. <laughs> he he'll fill out a speedo like nobody. <laughs> he was something. I mean, he was like a, a big star. Someone told me that he was like bigger than life. You know his well, he, well, you knew him, so you tell us. He seemed larger than life. Um, yeah. But he people. He, if he hadn't have committed to the project, it wouldn't have gotten made. So he, he really, he saw, because I can totally see how you could be in the middle of a scene of, as I think of the first scene when Cornelius and Zira and Taylor are in Cornelius and Zira's house and they've discovered that he can write and they're having, a, it's the first long dialogue scene of the film with mm -hmm. him. And I can see how someone might think, what if this doesn't work? And so you have to give him credit for knowing that it would work and for committing to it. Exactly. It was a gamble. Yeah. And they were making it purely for entertainment and it turned out to be a very controversial film. I mean, did you say we did it for entertainment and he never expected this longevity. And he was fortunate uh, when they, Tim Burton wanted to make it. And there's all these different high profile directors and he came on and Dick really wanted to produce it, but you know, they hadn't picked the producer. Then finally they picked him and which was wonderful because he ended up late in his life being the sole producer of Tim Burton. That's true. And That's he really needed that. Those together, I believe. Yes. That's true. Let me, let me ask you, uh, and, and I, I do want to get, I want to ask Austin one more question, but I, I do have to ask this question. And Linda, you may not know the answer, but I, while I have you here, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, this is what I was told. The original ending of the film was not that the earth got destroyed, because you have to admit, it's kind of a downer. It's like, everyone's dead. Thanks for coming. And there well, was. You know, uh, Heston did not want to do the sequel. That's true. And Dick was such a good friend. He, you know, gave him so much for a one day shot, you know, that's all it took. And now later he said, you know, it was one of his top films that he ever did. Well, the story that I heard was Charlton Heston said, let's blow up the earth and there won't be any more sequels. Exactly. And Dick said, you can't do that. That's, that's terrible. And then, he was, the board in New York took a vote and he was replaced as head of the studio. And on his way out the door, he said, you know what, blow up the earth. That sounds fine with me. Is that what happened? Uh, say that again. Hang on. Got uh, hang on. It's my bookie. Uh, oh. From what I heard, Charlton Heston suggested they blow up the earth 
at the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. So the ending would be like the end of Bridge on the River Kwai. Yeah, it, it's like it could never be made again. He exactly. perfectly hit the, the thing. And, and, then, never <laughs> and then Dick said, then Dick said, you can't do that. That's bananas, no pun intended. <laughs> then the board in New York voted to replace Dick as head of the studio. And on his way out the door, Dick said, you know what? Blow up the earth. I think it's fine. <laughs> that's what I, that's what RJ Wagner told me at Mahjong. I could be, I could be wrong. I, Dr. Z, I, I've, I've heard that story as, as well. And yeah. Mm -hmm. I always. That was the split you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yes. We got in a financier to get our books all together and, and make some money. He ended up firing Dick and David and myself and his father. Yes. On the meeting said, you're fired. It, it hurt him, obviously. But he put his energy into uh, making, uh, having a film and, and going to, I think, it, uh, Warner Brothers. He had a, a friend uh, that was head of the studio. And they got a producing job. But they for six weeks, they had no idea. And then eventually, they took uh, Daryl down. They fired him. Exactly. People get, I was originally Clyde in every which way but Lou's. And I had words with Hal Needham because I didn't like the way he spoke to Tracy Scoggins, who I was dating at the time. And I ended up not doing that move. But everybody goes, we all have careers. We all move on. I now, would have loved I would have loved to see Clint say right turn Clyde to you, Dr. Z. Oh, we, boys and girls, I, I digress. I was the guy who threw that punch. True story. I believe you. True story. Maybe it's Bobby I owe money to. You <laughs> uh, buck fifty. Yeah. Austin, uh when, when people come up to you, what is, because uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is also such a cult. What is the thing that people nine times out of 10 when they, when they approach you, what is, what is the, what is the uh, one that they always tag you for? Assault. That was the main one. Yes. And what year, what year was that? Oh my God. 74? Yeah. I think it was 70. Yeah. yeah. 74. When the, when the whole, yeah, it, it's such a, such an iconic uh, such an iconic piece of uh, such an iconic piece of work. The what interesting I the interesting thing was that the movie was not really written in any form. We had to create it. I understand. It was left to us to create it. And, and that's and that was John Carpenter, I believe. Carpenter, yes. And so I mean, when you when you don't have a script, what is he like? Uh, okay, uh, he I've didn't know. Have fun. It was like he didn't know what know what to write. He let us create, improvise. Totally created. Yeah. And and where did you sh where did you shoot that? It was right here in in, in L.A. And it was in L.A. That's fantastic. It's it's uh, it's so lovely to have you on. Now, Bobby, you said you you through the do you uh, how was it that you came to be in every which way but loose? And I didn't know hard feelings, but we will talk about it later in private. <laughs> um, I was talking to a few people the other day, and I realized I've played a primate nine different times. Wow. Nine different times from three different characters on Planet of the Apes, the two on the TV series and the feature, Every Which Way But Loose, Any Which Way You Can, a film in England called Link with Lisa Shu, mm -hmm. a film in Zimbabwe, which we talked about earlier today with uh, uh, Jimmy Walker and uh, a few other crazies, and uh, Land of the Lost, 
played in primate in that. So that's right. you were, were you trying to think the second version of the Land of the Lost franchise. Yeah. So um, before I get booted off the, the the island here, I wanted to pay a little tribute to just some of the amazing apes fans that we have because without the fans, we'd be just wasting our time right now. And there are literally hundreds and hundreds of people who have stuck with us for decades. And three of them, one of them is from the land of rock and roll lately from New Zealand. It's our friend, Dean Preston. Lou, I know you know Dean and, and Dr. Z. I know you know that Dean Preston has been shaking and rattling the last few days. Everybody's good. He's writing a book uh, with um, Erlen Bartello, who was in all five Planet of the Apes movies as a background actor, but she was good enough that she was always in an appliance. So his book is coming out soon. So Dean, hi Dean. Uh, Richard Woloski, who does Talking Apes, an amazing podcast that keeps all the Apes fans in contact with each other. Even though we can't see each other face to face, we can listen to some really amazing stories there as well. And of course, the man who created this amazing documentary that's lou wagner has he's never looked better lou <laughs> i heard that's only 10 minutes of makeup it's 50 years oh. older yes and that was done by the great conlon family tommy and barry berman if you haven't gotten this by now get it it's an amazing documentary it's a great buddy story william conlon is in the room so will Love you, mean it, and uh, that's it for the commercials. I'm done. Well, that's uh, that was uh, that was uh, such a wonderful thing. There's so many uh, amazing people that, and there is something about the series that galvanizes people uh, that you never, you know, you like it as a kid, and it just never goes away. I know so many people that come up to me, uh, you know, they they saw the film as a kid, and it it still means so much. I can only think of two series that really has created such a pop cultural impact, which is, of course, Planet of the Apes and the Star. I uh, no, uh, uh, Cannonball Run. That's what I meant. Cannonball Run. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, I had so many makeup chairs where the makeup artist behind me said, I'm here because of Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. Dozens of times I had makeup artists stand behind me going, oh my God, you're Cornelius. I'm here because of that franchise. And sure, yes, I so many people. Lou, did you, uh, after uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, you were also in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, correct? Yes. And how did that come about? Because you weren't in Escape, but there's only three apes in Escape. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was supposed to be Roddy's right-hand man, and the first day of shooting, yeah, I mean, right-hand ape, and the first day of shooting, the producer came up to me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I've... That's never a conversation. And he said, well, we had a meeting last night, and we cut your part out. <laughs> so so um, I was a star. I was starring in it, you know. They said... Well, um, we'll give you your three-week guarantee. Would you take the starring out of it? And I said, absolutely not. And so they said, uh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll give you two scenes. So I was, I was a, uh, a waiter, and I put yeah. the place on fire, and I stole some knives. Yeah. And for that, 
I got a better billing than I did in the first planet. <laughs> as, as, as somebody who has worked for Dino De Laurentiis, as long as the check clears, just, yeah. yeah. As long as you take home the lira, that's all that really matters. You know. uh, Pat, do we have some questions that we want to get to? How do you want to run this? Let me check we check in with our producers and uh, okay, yes, uh, we're, we are apparently good. So, Doctor, if you want, let's go ahead and roll our first question. Sure, you're going to have to help me out. I'm going to put on, but hang on a minute. No problem. Our first one comes from Dylan and they would like to know, what was your, your reaction when you first saw the finished movie, and I'll mm -hmm. say this: your individual finished movie. Uh, who's that to? That's to everyone. Ah, well, let's start with Linda. Uh, you know, I was all at twenty years old and very young, and was happy to do the film, mostly because of Heston, because he was my idol. But uh, for years, I just went on with my life. I didn't go to conventions. I didn't know they were even existed. So I raised my children and, you know, I had just later in my life realized that there were a lot of fans that I didn't know I had. So it's, I feel very grateful. Well, indeed. And uh, Pat, did you see, you must have been a kid when the first one came out, correct? Uh, probably 16, 15 or 16. Did you, see yeah. it in the, did you see it in the theater or did you see it on television? I saw it in the theater about five times. I read the book before it was made into a movie. I mean, I couldn't wait for it. I was in love with this, the idea of doing this as a film, and I, I loved being in it when I was. Where did you uh, grow up, Pat? I grew up in Los Angeles. I was a child actor. I'd done 100 parts before this. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So, uh, Lou Wagner, how, what was your reaction when you first? Because you're, yeah, you're a working actor. You're a, you're a, but it was the late 60s. You're out there on Sunset Strip. You're going to Pandora's Box. Smoking jazz cigarettes. What was what was it like when you saw, what was it like when you first saw the movie? Well, I first saw it on the on the lot with uh, with the other actors. Oh, uh, you didn't even pay. Pardon? Nope. So you didn't even pay. Nope. Nope. What? Oh no, I didn't have to pay. You're right. <laughs> Never spend your own money. First rule of show business. So I, I I walked in to the screening room uh, behind Edward G. Robinson, who was. Uh, who originally he was going to play Dr. Zayas, but he had issues. I was thrilled. It was um, more than I could expect. I was thrilled with the screenplay because it was so articulate and it covered so many things that, that films in that day and now, still today, don't cover well. And um, I was just thrilled with the outcome. Uh, indeed, well, the screenplay was written by, uh, the, the first draft was written by Rod Serling. Uh, there's a fun fact about Rod Serling. Nobody knows this. Uh, he also had a TV show called The Twilight Place. Uh, oh, no, 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 I'm sure I'm right. It's The Twilight Twilight Show. So fun fact about him, nobody knows. Uh, he wrote that with uh, Michael Wilson, uh, co-wrote the script. Um, Austin Stoker, how did you feel when someone asked, how did you feel when, you, I'm sorry, it was called the Twilight Zone Limits, it was called. Uh, Austin, how did you feel when you first saw uh, the Planet of the Apes? Did well, you see it when it first came out? Yes, I did. And what did um, you think at the time? I'm sorry, what? And what did you think at the time? It was, it was, a, it was a very... Uh, 
very exciting time uh, in our culture, 1968, 1969. It was, it was a very, very special time for me because I had just come in from a country that only, there was no acting. I was the only actor that came out of that country. Which and what was country that? And because yes, yes, yes. Was, was the most important thing in, in Trinidad at the time. It probably still is, I don't know. And Mardi Gras was, was or, or carnival, as it was called. Yes. And it was all about dancing and singing, you know. It was all music. And I was very much into that, you know. And that is what brought me into this country. The, the I Mardi did not know that. That is fascinating. Yeah, and, get, and getting in, getting into into the play was something that I had not expected at all. You know, it was completely new for me. That must have been. Yeah, what are, I'm envious of people who got to uh, to experience that period uh, as as adults. Uh, it must have been very exciting. And Bobby, you were a kid too when it came out, eh? I was, and I took my mom and my little sister to the screening. Probably went to the same theater that Lou went to. I believe it was called the Zanuck Theater appropriately so. I remember my little sister sitting next to me in the scene where I was dying and Roddy is crying over me and saying his goodbyes and I looked over my shoulder and my little sister is bawling her eyes out. <laughs> and I said, I kind of like nudged her with my elbow and I said, hey, I'm right here. I'm fine. And I thought if we had done that good of a job that I brought an eight-year-old to tears, we must have done something right. And we knew the franchise was up and running. This was our fifth segment. And I was just really, really proud and humbled by having been a part of something that we're still talking about more than 50 years later. Go figure. Indeed. <laughs> amazing. The film, what's amazing about the films is they're, they are so popular. People love this, but they're also very, they're very dark. They're, they're you know, they're yeah. not, there's, not one of the films ends with, and they lived happily ever no. after. The ending of Escape from the Planet of the Apes is mind-boggling. It's just mind-bogglingly mind-boggling depressing, but the movie is uh, is uh, is so wonderful. But the, they managed to pull it off, which is uh, truly uh, in inspiring. I, fun. I offered a, a musical version called Song of the Planet of the Apes, which had a happy ending, but they didn't use <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I was um, the very first ape you saw in the opening scene of the TV series. Different makeup, but dead, risen back, very, very prophetic. That's the that's the beauty of the films. Pat, where are we? Are we going to our private rooms or are we gonna bring somebody else in? Oh, uh, somebody else in. I think well it's up to you, Doctor. Uh we could do one more quick one. Yeah, let's just like. do one more yeah. question because All people right. are waiting very patiently and Absolutely. I don't and and I wanna thank uh, thank Dylan for that question. That was a fun one. And here's one from Andrew. Do you think any do any of you think that the movies would have had such the huge following that it has now? No. Let's go on drop it again, start with Linda. No, Linda, I Linda, did you, did you, did, because especially because you were with Dick Zanuck at the time, it was such, did they have a feeling this was going to be, it, it was either going to be huge or nothing? There was yeah, no that was the either, they'd be laughing at it or uh, it'd be a great film. You know, when you get a hit, it's wonderful. They say, yeah, all, 20 movies, Fox would make it here. You know, some in South Africa, all all different places. And if you got seven hits, you were doing well. Mm -hmm. The ratio of having a hit show is really rare. Right. 
Indeed. And and apes really helped keep the studio afloat financially because it was very close to the close to the bone at that time. Yeah. Indeed. Lou, same thing? When you're when you're making it, when you're on the when you're out in Malibu on the beach, do you have an idea like what am I doing? I better get back to Dragnet. Well, uh, first of all, when I read the script, saw who was going to be in it, all the wonderful actors, the best cinematographer in town, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Leon. Camroy, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and music was, was the best. And the best uh, screenplay, the best director, you know, I knew it was going to be great. So the first week of location shooting was the first week of the filming. And I remember the first day everyone was scared to death because it was the first showing of the apes, let alone, you know. So, right. so and 70 millimeter. And so they're watching the screening and they came back the second day and everyone was beaming. They knew that at least the the makeup worked, you know. Oh, nobody thought nobody thought that we were gonna have the power, the the longevity that we do now, you know. Just look at who Heston and Kim Hunter and all these top actors, and they picked those because you had to be able to speak, you know, and be strong. But they they had Franklin Shafter as, as a producer, who later became the best director of Patton. They had Charlton Heston. They had uh, a five-time Emmy reward, Leon Shanroy. And the interesting thing uh, to this film, Franklin Shafter never told, except for the cinematographer, Leon, where the next shot's going to be. So we, we never knew. You oh, know. That- Remember that, but he, I guess it gave an element of, of, of what's the word I want to say, an element of surprise because the uh, assistant director was a good friend of Dick's and he would say, I, I, and, and Franklin and one more, uh, Shamroy, only knew what was going to come next. And that was some, an, a quality of Franklin Shaffner. And up cast without the the crew that John Chambers and Tommy Berman put together, this film would never have gotten off the ground. They were the most exactly. makeup artists ever assembled on one film, ever. And I think it was great that Dick Zanuck made got a Academy Award for best makeup. Yep. He he saw the man. He was incredible, and in what he did. When Dick thinks something is right and a person deserves that, he will go after and get get what he needs. It's, it's so very true, Pat. I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to you, young man. You've got the schedule. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Oh no, not at all. Uh, we are just pro- probably at time, so I will thank Andrew for that wonderful question, Doctor Z. Uh, I will thank you for being our guest host. I will thank our, our, our rest of our hosts here today. On behalf of myself, as a Planet of the Apes fan, I thank you all. I thank you. I thank you for the being a part of this ongoing franchise, which is beloved by our audience, beloved by myself, and beloved by many people here at GalaxyCon. I thank you all for your performances. I thank you all for your professionalism, and I thank you all for being a part of the Planet of the Apes. And to our GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of Planet of the Apes. Uh, Dr. Z and the rest of our panelists, any final words for our audience before we go? 
Bye, everybody. Love you. Wear a mask. Uh, good point. <laughs> it is my, my absolute pleasure to serve you all again. Thank you again for joining us on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us. Thank you for your great questions. Hope to see you all again soon. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care, and please keep washing those hands. <laughs>